what is the church supposed to be? What is the church supposed to be? We can go directly to the book of Acts for instruction on what the church is supposed to be and what the church is supposed to do. So let's go back to that and see what we're supposed to be doing and see how we line up, as Davy said. Starting in chapter 1, in verse 3, this is after Jesus had been crucified and had risen from the dead and had, reappe- had appeared to his disciples. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Jesus replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They're not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power from my Spirit, and then you are to go and tell others about me. Okay? Moving on to chapter 2. The Holy Spirit comes, starting in verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. In this verse, what is referring to, these people literally spoke in other languages, enabling them to communicate with people that didn't speak their language. And I think about that today, and I think about the different people that have come through here, and I might not be able to speak Davy's language. I might not be able to speak Liz's language when she came through, but the Holy Spirit can. You know, it's kind of like when you sit in a sermon and you hear one thing and someone else hears something different. The Holy Spirit is speaking to each person according to what they need to hear through the one that's speaking. That's what this reminds me of. So that initial body of believers was filled with the Holy Spirit. Moving on to chapter, I mean, still in chapter 2, verse 14. They're filled with the Holy Spirit now. They start to do what Jesus said and preach to the people and tell the people about Jesus. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk. People thought they were, you know, because they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And people were saying, what is it? These people are, they got to be drunk. They're acting so crazy. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. 
he pre- Joel profited this. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so the people are listening to this. And he starts to talk about something King David said many, many years before. And he's still preaching, starting in verse 25. King David said this about him, him being Jesus. I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. He wasn't speaking of himself coming back to life. When he died, he was buried, and he's still in the grave, which Peter goes on to continue to to teach that. He was prophesying about Jesus. So Peter's laying out this evidence to the people that are listening as he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 36, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom crucified, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ to show that you have received forgiveness for your sins. Then you will receive, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles, all of whom have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Does that sound like us? I mean, we come and listen. We come, we come most Sundays, you know. Um, we don't have any problem getting together and hanging out together. We like gathering. We like to eat. We're having our Thanksgiving meal in a couple weeks. We celebrate communion. We partake in the elements on the first Sunday of every month. And to prayer. And to prayer. Look at verse 46. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, 
the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Each day, they were praying at the temple. Each day, they were praying. Why do you think they gathered, they gathered every day to pray? Because they recognized, I'm assuming, their dependence on God. And just as God provided manna to the Israelites when they were in the desert, he gave them the amount they needed each day, what they needed for that day. When they woke up the next day, you couldn't eat it. It didn't keep. So he would have to provide more. If they went two or three days and didn't get that manna, what's going to happen? They're going to starve to death eventually. Same thing with prayer and praise to the Lord. To be effective as followers and disciples, they had to remain rooted in God's word and active in daily prayer. So yesterday we had our nursing home ministry that we do every other Saturday morning. And we sing hymns for like 30 minutes or so, and then we have a a time of devotion. And yesterday's devotion that we did with with the old folks is called Rooted in God. And it was based on Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through 8. Lance is going to put it on the screen. I'm going to read it off my phone. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. I'm going to read the devotion. When friends moved into a new home, they planted wisteria near their fence and looked forward to the lavender blossom that would appear after five years of growth. Over two decades, they enjoyed this plant, carefully pruning and tending it, But suddenly, the wisteria died, for their neighbors had poured some weed killer by the other side of the fence, and the poison had seeped into the wisteria's roots, and the tree perished, or so my friends thought. To their surprise, the following year, some shoots came through the ground. We see the image of trees flourishing and perishing when the prophet Jeremiah relates them to God's people who either trust in the Lord or ignore his ways. Those who follow God will send their roots into soil nor water and will bear fruit. But those who follow their own hearts will be like a bush in the desert. The prophet yearns that God's people would rely on the true and living God and that they would be a tree planted by the water. The illustration is perfect for a church 
that's new and, and starting to grow, but it's also perfect for an individual person. You know, and, and we as individuals make up the church. And if we're not staying rooted and we're not staying connected when we're away from here, we're exposing ourselves to the weed killer, if you will, to poison. You know, and I, I challenge each of you to think to yourself, what is my poison? What is my weed killer? You know, I leave here today and I go home for a few days and, you know, I'm coming off a Sunday so I may get up and have a great quiet time tomorrow and pray and have devotion with God and listen to Caleb on the way to work or whatever. And then something happens at work and I get frustrated and I come home and I'm mad and I'm in a bad mood and I go to bed and the next day I might get up and not do any of those things. And the next day I might do it and not do it again. What are the things that start to creep around me, that start to seep into my spirit, that separate me from God and cause me as an individual not to grow and flourish, not to be able to radiate God's light to others and then filter back here on Sundays. Do you know what I'm saying? What is your poison? Could be an addiction, could be an anger problem, could be apathy, could be laziness, could be lust. What is blocking you from effectiveness? What's holding back your growth? I'll share one quick example. I don't do much social media. I have Facebook. I post something maybe once a month if I'm, if I'm doing good. But I do look at it because I like to see what everybody else is doing. I have an Instagram account on my phone. I downloaded it a couple years ago, and then I never looked at it and forgot about it. Well, Shelby started getting on Instagram. So I've started getting on it more often so I can see what Shelby's up to and making sure everything's appropriate and whatnot. And yeah, I'm a typical mom. Um, so anyway, I'm on Instagram the other day, and I'm, I'm watching, you know, I'm looking at Shelby, but, you know, I'm scrolling through because now I'm realizing, oh, Instagram's kind of like Facebook. I can scroll through and see what everybody's doing. And I'm scrolling through, and I'm looking at pictures of people that I know. And then you can click on the person and pull up their Instagram page and see all their pictures because it's only pictures. Y'all all know this. <laughs> and so I click on this one friend, and I pull up her page, and I'm scrolling through. And there's some pictures of this friend, and I'm like, oh. You know, I, I, I look at this picture, and it's like something kind of didn't sit right. You know, it was like a shift in me when I looked at it. And I didn't really think anything of it at the time. I realize it now looking back, and I'll tell you why. So I got out of it, and I kept looking at other friends and whatever, and moved on. The next day, I go onto my Instagram to see what Shelby's up to, and it pops up and it says, we have some videos and pictures you might be interested in. And Instagram was now Instaporn. It's my new name for Instagram. Because based on these pictures I had looked at of a friend, and this, is, and this is a friend who's in a church, you know, who's involved in Bible study from time to time, 
based on my looking at that friend's pictures, I guess, I'm now being recommended these other pictures of other people that I don't know, have no earthly idea who these people are, wearing next to nothing. You know, there's no nudity, but I mean, very provocative pictures now in my, it's recommending these to me. And so, as a, as a woman, you know, the challenge this presents to me may be slightly different than the challenge it presents to a man. I don't know. But it was a challenge to me because I'm sitting there in that shift I mentioned. It's there. It's like, what? And, and, this is, and I've, I've never struggled with porn. I've never, you know, I've never had a problem with that. But now there's all that stuff. And I can just click and look and scroll. And it, it was just countless numbers of images I can look at. So if I'm a person that struggles with that kind of thing, if I did that on Thursday and I hadn't prayed since Sunday, what am I relying on to keep myself from clicking on those images and checking them out and starting to dwell on them? I'm relying on myself, my self-sufficiency, my strength, my inner strength and character, if you will. You know, so that's one side of it. The other side of it, I want to post some pictures of myself on Instagram. And I post pictures of myself on Facebook, and usually it's with Mally or whatever. But I'm going to post a picture of myself on Instagram, and it's Thursday, and I haven't been to church since Sunday. What filter's going through my mind when I go to take my selfie to put on there? Am I going to hold my phone right here? with my sweater on and take my picture with my baby? Or am I going to hold my phone up here and pull my sweater down a little bit and try and look as cute is the word I'll use as I can? Len's constantly posting pictures from up here with his shirt pulled down. But do you see what I'm saying? Poison can very easily... And we don't have to get into a debate about, you know, well, women should be able to do whatever they want, you know, fine. And we can expect that. But if I'm prayed up, if I've prayed that day, and I'm trying with all my might to follow, to be a follower of Jesus, I'm going to think twice before I post that picture, before I take that picture. I'm going to think twice before I click on that image. I'm not going to be relying on myself. Depending on God daily protects our heart from poison. It all comes down to our heart. One of my favorite um, verses is Proverbs 3.23. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And then it says, look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Do not get sidetracked. Keeping your feet from following evil. Daily time with the gardener keeps the poison away. Jesus preaches 
all over the place about gardens and plants and soil and vines. And he is our gardener, but we have to spend the time with him. John 15, 5 through 8. Guard your, uh, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. They've been killed by the poison. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to the Father. We've got to take the time to protect our hearts. It's time to do that. And as a church, we need to do that together. And in the days to come, we're going to be working on a new prayer ministry for our church. And don't worry, we're not going to say we got to meet here every day to pray together, as they did in Acts. But we're going to shoot to having somebody praying every day, intentionally, for our body of believers and for our church. Be looking for, in the weeks to come, a sign-up sheet and be thinking about a day of the week that you can commit to being responsible for praying at your house, at your work, in your car, wherever. Ideally, two people per day that could even have a phone call at a, at a convenient time and pray together for the needs of our church and for the people in our church so that we can be a church that is praying to God daily, individually and corporately. Also, in the weeks to come, we're going to be launching a sermon series called What's Your Poison? And we're going to talk about the different things that people struggle with that can separate them from God. And it's going to be an opportunity for testimony. Um, so be thinking about that. If you have something that either you're struggling with now or that you've struggled with in the past that you would be willing to share about, um, please contact me and let me know so we can schedule that. And you won't have to preach the whole message, just you know, a brief, a brief time of sharing. And um, hopefully we'll cover a, a different uh, you know, a variety of things. And we can pray for each other.